Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by the one and only Gary Hosey. Welcome, Gary. How are you? I am super excited to be with you today, Amy. Thank you. Why is that then? What are you excited about? Well, I always enjoy our times together, but listening to the podcast and what I love about podcasts in general, but so, you know, especially about yours is the way the conversation just naturally evolves and the little nuggets that come out of it, um, sometimes out of the blue, are just magic. So, yeah, it's great to join you in conversation. Well, here we are. So let's get cracking. Yeah, we're in a mastermind together that was formed a year ago. So my goodness, doesn't time fly? And we'd spe- we spend each month talking about our wins, our challenges and our plans And it's great. It's been incredible seeing each other on a journey and seeing how each other have developed and evolved, particularly in our speaking careers. And very recently, you entered a competition that a year ago I was in that same situation as you are, which was the Speaker Factor competition organized by the Professional Speaking Association. So how did it go, Gary? Well, it was really very interesting. Um, A year ago, if somebody asked me, you're going to enter a speaking competition, um, and I think it probably came up in our mastermind group, I I probably said, well, maybe, thinking never in a million years. And then when I decided to kind of go for it, um, it's been quite a journey. And getting through the regional heat was a major success for me. That really gave me some confidence that I'm I'm putting a talk together that is credible and that uh, making it to the finals was just immense. I was super chuffed at that. And then just the whole experience of, of um, you know, practicing a talk to be delivered at a professional level, um, which is, of course, what we do in, in our day-to-day role in, in what we do. But when you're speaking in front of speakers, professional speakers, it's it kind of puts you up there again. Um, so I think I got a, the most out of the kind of preparation and practice element. I mean, the final itself just goes super fast. You're over in a blink and, and you barely remember a word you've said. Um, but I got everything over that I wanted to get over. And I was super, super pleased to be part of the whole uh, process. 
Yeah, well, well done you. It's fantastic watching all of you to compete, but also just share the knowledge that you have. And, and that's where we are today. We get an opportunity to hear more about your knowledge and about what you do and why you do it, Gary. So delighted to have you here and well done for stepping up into that forum because I know Thank how you. intense it is having done it a year ago. So let's talk about what you're doing right now. So I run a company called EI Company, and um, we're focused on uh, emotional intelligence, on supporting behavior with leaders and developing uh, their behavior and performance around how they show up with emotional intelligence and using that in their everyday world, whether that's in how they work in their senior team um, or how they show up as an individual leader in an organization. Uh, and I've been doing that for over 20 years now. And the other element of what we do is to certify practitioners, coaches, L&D specialists, HR practitioners in using the EQI uh, psychometric measure if they want to use emotional intelligence in their own work. Um, we've uh, certified over 150 individuals over the last 10 years. So that's a kind of secret joy of mine, that working with other like-minded professionals who want to get going with that and make it a specialism. And on the back of those two pieces of work, I've started my book, EQ Influence, Leadership uh, Behaviour That Brings Extraordinary Results. So, yeah, there's quite a lot going on, really. That's incredible. I love the whole concept of how you show up in your office with your emotional intelligence. I love how the support that you're giving to leaders is only going to make for better workforces, for better working environments. What surprises you about the emotional intelligence when you're working with people? Well, I think speaking out of my own journey with emotional intelligence, I think one of the big surprises and one of the big takeaways for me is how unpracticed we are at it. You know, we, we now know about it as a, as a concept and as a phrase, and a lot of people will have read blogs on it and that, but we're still quite missing some of that, that fundamental self-awareness. So that, that was my own take. And then and working with leaders around the globe, it's clear that on our professional journeys, often there isn't the room, the time, um, or the experience to practice emotional intelligence. So in some respects, it's still emerging in a lot of organizations. And, and when leaders choose to engage with it, the results can be quite outstanding, um, not just for themselves, but obviously the environments where, where they're working as well. So yeah, I think that's the biggest surprise. And you say that you're choosing to engage or you're choosing to use it. And also that it's a case of you don't always have the time or the room or the experience to practice it. Is it not something that is with you all the time? It's not just something that you turn up at work with. That's brilliant, Amy. I completely agree. Really, at our most fundamental, we are emotional beings. When I say not the time to practice it, we haven't really created the room to practice our innate humanness. You know, what's going on for me? What influences does that have on my behavior? And how does that impact others? And, and I find that people are often working in what I call after awareness. In other words, 
when a situation has occurred, we get some feedback about how we were showing up and we look back and we're aware after a situation and really emotional intelligence puts us very much in the moment or even before it as we practice it. And so, especially I think in this um, time coming out of COVID, we are so back to back, all of us, just having some headspace to reflect on what was going on in the room, um, what's going on with me uh, and those kind of things in a virtual world is so much harder, uh, apart from it being so back to back. And with that, looking back and the after awareness, it's often too late. So people don't say anything and it's just left and it compounds. Yeah. So we kind of, you know, this is what I see in leaders often. They'll notice something in somebody else's behavior and they'll choose not to give feedback about how it made them felt or what experience they had with that because they think, oh, I haven't the time to do that right now. I'll do it later. And it doesn't happen. And then it occurs again and it keeps going until it reaches that point where actually it's causing problems and it, it's become such a big issue. So getting into the language of, of emotions, how I'm feeling, what impact other people might be having on me is is an area of discomfort for a lot of us and therefore we don't practice it uh, but as we get into practicing it it becomes not so much an easier way of communicating it just becomes more naturally who we are because uh, I think we all struggle with difficult conversations or things that that feel more exposing or, or bring out invulnerabilities you know in us as well. So you said that it's evolving, that even though it's been around, that people are still not as aware of it as they could be. There's a huge amount of could do betters or even better if scenarios. And you said we're emotional human beings and it's about innate humanness. And yet we're not really as self-aware as we could be as humans, even though it's something that we've been with ourselves all this time since we're young, obviously. When you become more aware, what happens? Why are we not more self-aware about ourselves? I think that in our education and in our upbringing, certainly in the West here, we've not made it a key purpose of ours to focus on self-awareness. I call it, um, you know, how many slices are in your self-awareness pie? And the first time I asked that to a group of leaders, somebody said, well, mine's pork pie. And I said, no, no, not that pie, a pie chart. How many slices are made up of our self-awareness pie? So we've got personality, we've got IQ. They're two elements of self-awareness. EQ is another element of self-awareness. And so when we go through emotional intelligence, it is about everyday behavior, confidence, how I show up in what I'm motivated to do, what I love to achieve. It's about our self-awareness emotionally, how I express with that emotion, how I use that information to maintain and develop meaningful and trusted relationships, how I show up in the team, and then how that information gets used in decision-making and ultimately how we cope in life. So there's, there's a lot of everyday behavior and when we take people through the model of emotional intelligence, it, it, the, the aha is often, oh, I didn't know I did that. It's, I know I did that, but now I know what it's called. 
And I can spot it a bit more in the everyday when I know the name of something. It's a bit like when we see our friends. We know what they look like. We know how they show up sometimes. And as we get to know these behaviours, we get to recognise uh, the positive elements of how they show up, i.e. how it feels good when it's when it's doing great work. But when it isn't, when my behaviour isn't doing great work, that has a feeling attached to it as well. And now I know where it comes from. Yeah, it's fascinating. We did the exercise last year together where you went through it with me. And it was so interesting to understand where my strengths were, but also where those strengths might actually inhibit me in some areas. Yes, we affectionately term that the cost of high. And it's not that those things are wrong or bad. It's my awareness of when they occur and what impact they have. An example would be in a leadership population, we see assertiveness as a key behavior that's often very well developed. And of course, you would expect that. Cost of high assertiveness might be lacking tax sometimes or being too direct. And of course, it's not wrong or bad to do that. But if I do that without awareness, then it's almost certain that at some point I'm going to have a negative experience or other people are going to have a negative experience of me because of my directness. So it's all about that. When should I? Is this the right time? But if I'm not aware of it even showing up, I'm not I even got that opportunity to to manage it in any way. So I understand what you do and why. Well, not necessarily the why just yet. What is the why behind what you're doing, Gary? Wow. I mean, that's just a great question. I love it when you ask that question um, because it chases us right to the heart of who we are in our kind of humanness. I've been, you know, interested personally in, in people and and behavior and development my whole career nearly 30 years in training and development and now that I'm in my 50s and in in my local church youth group they call me half century hosey which I I've learned to accept as a title you know I'm learning now that actually I know so little and there's so much more to learn to add to that self-awareness piece. You know, I've, I've had a trapped nerve in my shoulder recently. And so I've been learning about my physiological makeup. Where is the knot come from? Which muscle is it in? How do I undo that knot? And so it's another element of self-awareness. So that whole human experience for me is where the heart of it and, and, Really, truly, it's enriched my own journey in life, working with others um, in developing their emotional intelligence. So vicariously, I've had my own personal and professional journey alongside everyone that I've worked with. So I think the heart of it is working with people. And when did you point yourself into this direction? Did it evolve or were you very intentional with it? I was reading about it in the sort of late 90s. Um, it was quite early. I was an early adopter, I guess you would describe it as. And a client that we were working with in a previous organization I worked in asked us to do an introduction to emotional intelligence, which, of course, we dutifully did. And it got kind of middle of the road feedback. And I said to the organization, I said, I think this is an emerging capability that is going to be very big. And I think uh, it would be useful to make it a capability of ours. So I became a certified practitioner in the EQI 2.0 assessments. 
And, um, and I went on my own personal journey with emotional intelligence with a global organization to develop a, a level of foundation for myself as we started to then develop programs for others. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a 20 year journey personally. Is it your purpose? Is it your why? Or are there other elements that fold into this? I think it is very much my why, my calling. I have a, a, a core value around serving and serving others. And when it comes to behavior, if somebody wants to have a conversation about um, any element of developing themselves, but certainly around emotional intelligence, and I never tire about sitting down and chatting that through with an individual, a team or an organization. So it is very much my why. I love that. And you mentioned right at the beginning that by certifying your coaches, you have that as a secret joy of yours. Yes. What other secret joys do you have? Oh, good question. Um, other secret joys. I think I love that time when I'm working with a leader and the stuff that we're working through um, starts to appear in their language not that it's my words because it generally isn't my words but it's I can see that the awareness and the impact that emotional intelligence has had has landed and they then become advocates of of developing it, this in others and of course for leaders that are working with people that are, might be emerging into leadership or in developing individuals that's our biggest privilege, really, isn't it, to be able to grow people beyond where they think they're at. And, and emotional intelligence influences so many areas of life. I'm working with a complex change uh, director at the, at the moment, and he actually has steered the learning towards his home and social life and how he's showing up with his kids because work is, is working well. And he feels like his practice needs to be in his home life. And, and that, again, is a joy, too. I love that. And I love that essentially it's communication that you're working with here as well. That's a huge part of it, because you spoke about how their language starts to appear and how it develops in their own words and their own way of thinking. So how much of an influence are you in this? Or is it a case of that people are influencing themselves? I think it depends on where they are on their quest for developing their self-awareness. Quest is a word that I've recently kind of brought into my work. We hear a lot about journey. Of course, we're all on the journey of developing ourselves in life, but quest has more purpose for me. It has a searching out. It's like, you know, we're looking, we're, we're being a bit Indiana Jones. We're looking for the Holy Grail. Thankfully, with emotional intelligence, the holy grail is within each of us. So depending on where people are at in their self-awareness, sometimes there's a level of education of introducing them to how all these behaviours interact and what influence they can have. But once people have that foundational understanding, they quickly get into realising how they develop it. And that, that is a real joy when that starts to take hold. And with the language of emotions, I mean, it comes back again to slightly different language here now. What often is not able to be communicated because it is the emotional side of things? How do people who find it difficult to express their emotions deal with emotional intelligence? 
Brilliant question, Amy, because a lot of organizations and sectors or, or functions within organizations are very, you know, thinking and task orientated in how they how they work. So we get really practiced at doing the stuff, doing the what, the what we've got to do every day. And that becomes our, our comfort ground. And when we throw emotions in, then we're starting to move into, um, you know, the world of what Brenny Brown talks about around vulnerability. Um, and, and other great thought leaders like, um, um, you know, Dr. Reuven Baron, Steve Stein and others, and people like the works of Patrick Lencioni with um, the five dysfunctions of a team. You know, his foundational element is trust. And, and what separates his definition of trust from others is practicing vulnerability. Now, when, when we talk about vulnerability, it means that I would share with you, I can't do that, Amy, can you help me, please? And for people who are paid to do some quite complex or difficult things, that doesn't feel like it should be part of our language. We should be able to know how to do it or work it out. And so it's about engaging with those elements that are my not so perfect side, my real human side, like I need help. Um, these are weaker areas that I'm, I'm less able to navigate easily or, or effectively. Um, and also sharing intimacies. Now, and again, that's not a, a word that we often hear, but if you look at the, the trusted advisor and the trust equation, they talk about intimacy in developing trust and in, in, its, in its professional form, intimacy is about sharing something personal about you with somebody else. And of course, we do that more than we realize. Emotional intelligence just takes it on to another level in, as you said, being able to open up that, that conversation and that communication to explore it at a deeper level. So to go back to your question, sorry, a bit of a long way around to it, you know, how do people that might be less practiced at it do it? Well, I often start them off asking people to describe how they're feeling on a, on a one to 10 scale. So make it a bit binary to start with, you know, I'm a five, six on that. Well, actually I'm a seven, eight on that. It's clear that we've got some difference in how we feel about our approach with this particular thing. Can we explore those differences? And it just, it's a way of opening up that conversation, um, which of course we know that in the difficult times, when we do get into that conversation, we achieve unbelievable things when we're brave enough to get into that harder stuff, that, that more intimate and vulnerable stuff. So you're talking here, Gary, you're talking about vulnerability. You've talked about trust and you've talked about being brave. And earlier you spoke about your core value of serving others. How important are values in business, both personal and professional? Well, they're a little bit like emotional intelligence. Unless we know about our values, where we can be unclear about why we want to go a certain way or why we feel resistance in doing or not doing something. Um, so I would describe values as another slice of our self-awareness pie chart. 
And the more clarity that we get with per person values, um, I think the more we're able to navigate the direction that we might want to go in and, and what brings out our real purpose and enjoy in what we want to do. And what are your core values, Gary? Uh, people are very much a core value for me. Um, there have been since I was a, a young boy. I can remember visiting my dad on holiday. He lived down in the south. We lived in the north after mum and dad separated. And I would go on a mission to make a new friend as soon as I arrived in the street where he lived. And that always stuck with me through life. So I've always been interested in being connected with others. Um, I find that in, in the church that I'm involved with, the young people and helping them, you know, make right choices and, um, and get the very best start that they can. So people are very much a part of my value set. You know about the other one, which is serving, which has its cost of high. So I can overserve, I can give too easily. My team tell me off for that sometimes. And um, and there's there's also um, for me an element of um, you know going into the land where you live about purpose. I think the more clarity we get about purpose, the more opportunity we have to choose about how we how we direct that. And, you know, you'll know what it's like, Amy, when you align somebody to their purpose, what what occurs? I mean, every podcast has has the story. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you're really aware of your values. But also, as you said earlier, the cost of sometimes how those values can actually guide you, but they can also hinder you. So it's all about understanding the difference. And you've mentioned mission. You've mentioned journey. You've mentioned quest. What is the mission journey quest for Gary? Right now, I'm on a I'm on a quest. I, I think my biggest quest is learning at the moment. I think I'm in the biggest season of learning that I've ever been in. The Professional Speaking Association has pushed me into that with practicing speaking and going on that journey. I've been learning about storytelling. As I mentioned, I'm, I'm writing my first book. That, that I'm reading more than I've ever read. I'm listening to lots of books online and podcasts. So I'm in a massive learning phase at the moment. And truthfully, I'm not sure where the quest will finish up. I know it's going to finish up in a book. Um, and I hope to get more speaking opportunities because I, I think now after 20 years, I've got something that I want to share with others that I think they'll they'll find value in um, and get real meaning out of. And, and that, that would be a real joy to do more of that. So being in the moment right now, Gary, hearing back what you're sharing and what you're saying, and you've been really honest with what's going on. And you said necessarily that you don't have that huge understanding of where, but where you are now in this moment and that the book is what is the next step. Has it always been clear for you that just taking the next step is what's important yeah I've no, I've never really been a, a kind of career planner where I've thought you know um years in advance I have an idea about where I where I, what direction I want to go in but I wouldn't plan it in meticulous detail 
I've been very much uh, in the moment kind of person. I think as a coach, which is predominantly what I do, you're in the moment with somebody. So I think that's that's my biggest practice ground. And and over the last five or ten years, that's been a massive learning for me that actually the present has so much to offer. Um, a crazy little aside, Amy, in my office here, we've got a plate glass window, and just to the left of me, I asked the, because uh, we're in a shared managed office, I asked if I could put a bird feeder up in the um, on the balcony. And they said, yeah, that's fine, don't mind that. Uh, because I love to see nature in its natural place. And even though we're on an, on an industrial park, um, I thought, right, we'll stick a bird feeder up. There'll be birds here. And it did take them a few weeks to find it. But when they did, it just it was a moment of joy that I'd be coaching somebody virtually anywhere in the world, to be fair. And just out of the corner of my eye, or as I was sort of thinking about something or they showing something, I would just have a momentary picture of beauty and I would get that little heart skip of joy. And it's only a very simple thing, but moments have that. And when we're going at 120 miles an hour, as, as often we are, and I think even more so in this virtual context, it's so easy to be tuned out of those momentary joys and those momentary emotional experiences that not only enrich us, but help us, um, you know, navigate some stressful times, really complex and difficult uh, times, whether that's something we're going through or others are going through that we can help them with. It's easy to be just almost pushed along by the momentum of life. So I think in the moment for me, it's been a big learning in the last five years. Gosh, there are so many phrases there that I just loved being in the moment and then the present has so much to offer. I mean, it's such a fantastic phrase. It will definitely be one that I pull out as a soundbite for this episode. But the moment of joy and being pushed by that momentum, I recognized that that was something that I was aware of, that I was on autopilot. And I realized that you can drift and you can be just pushed along by what's around you because life is just so busy and you can get caught up in that. So how do you focus on your why? I think it goes back to uh, one of the things that we started with, and that's um, having a quest around self-awareness. Um, when I first started with um, this area around emotional intelligence and coaching 20 years ago, I would say that my self-awareness pie chart only had probably less than half a dozen slices. Now I'm convinced there's almost an infinite number that we could continue to add to that. Um, and one of the slices for me is mindfulness, which I advocate people practice alongside a building their emotional self-awareness because it's about not so much quietening what the noise that's going on inside, because we're always saying something to ourselves, always, you know, thinking about multiple things going on, but having that awareness to just filter it out momentarily and, and using breathing to bring us into the present moment just helps clear some of that incoherence that can be going on for us inside and bring a bit of clarity 
clarity, not so much to come up with an answer, but just, you know, many of us use the phrase um, human being. Well, I call it being human so that we can be more human now. And as we practice that being more human now, it means that we show up more authentically more often. And that not only um, invites others to do that, it gives them permission to do that because you're demonstrating that kind of behavior. Um, so that, that element of mindfulness and, and being present is, is very much key for me. I love that. And now that you're aware of being more human, you can't unsee that. You can't undo that. You can't unfear it or unfeel it. So what does being human mean for you? Um, I would describe it in a little anecdotal story that I use in some of my talks. It's a bit like being on a train when I'm I love to travel to London because I love the just the atmosphere and the energy I get from being in a bustling city, um, living in the northeast in, in quite a rural environment, that, that for me is a, a, an energizer. But when I'm on the train, I'm often doing stuff. I'm preparing for what might be coming up. I've got emails to do. And when you look down the train where you're going, in your peripheral vision, you just see a blur of what's going by. I like to take the moment, or I love those moments when you're coming home after a busy day, you're a bit tired, and you just turn and you look out the window. And it overwhelms me, the beauty of our countryside. And there might be an amazing country scene or the sun setting, or you're whizzing through some village or town somewhere and you're seeing life in a momentary freeze frame. And that, for me, is about, you know, um, capturing those moments so instead of just seeing the blur of life we turn to be part of it and and what that means is we get a richer experience in the everyday so yeah we love to do work and we want to achieve great things but who wouldn't want to enjoy the journey more and to have that rich experience that you know I had I had a, a personal interaction with a colleague today that that moved me in such a way that it's going to stay with me forever. Who wouldn't want those things? But quite often in that busyness, we, we're just in the blur and we, we miss it. So that's how I'd describe it. I love that. And I love that you've mentioned it several times now, that joy and the beauty of nature and what it has to offer. And again, going right back to that fundamental element of breathing, and it's just reminded me of a podcast I recorded a while ago where the guest mentioned about how when you go outside, when you step outside, what's the first thing you do having been inside? It's that you take automatically a lung full of air and you might not even recognize it. But now I always take that moment to go, oh, he's right. There it is. Isn't that fabulous? And it's just so special to remind ourselves just how incredible our surroundings are. Mm. I think all the more important nowadays, you know, when we're on on a on a global humankind quest to look after it for generations to come, you know, um, we're seeing it all the time, we're hearing it all the time, and to not be um, 
desensitized to those messages that we've got to hear we've got to have that moment of taking a deep breath i completely agree i love that i'm gonna have that as, as a takeaway for me yeah well it was from simon pollard's episode the five senses if you want to go and check it out yeah. episode 79 i shall so yeah it's fabulous gary or should i call you half century hosey i don't know <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure I've been taken on this journey, on this quest and on this vision that you have about being more human and being human. I love it. And thank you for sharing your moments of joy with us today. How would people get in contact with you? Uh, thanks, Amy. It has been a joy. Like I said at the start, I always enjoy our time together. Um, people can contact me through our website, which is EI. Um, eicompany.co. LinkedIn is a place that I like to be active so they can follow or connect with me there. I'd be delighted to answer any questions through uh, uh, through a message or to set up a call if, if any listeners want to find out more. Um, and they can email me directly at, at gary at eicompany.co. Perfect. Well, they'll all go into the show notes so people will be able to find you easily, especially if they're out and about enjoying all the beautiful surroundings, having a walk maybe while they're listening to this episode. So, Gary, as I said, thank you. It's absolutely it's always a pleasure being in your company. How would you like to close out the episode today? I think fundamentally what we've talked about is is building our our humanness and and the key element for me in my learning season that I'm in is about self-awareness. So I'd encourage anyone um, that is on their own quest and journey with that to go deeper. You know, where can you go deeper? And for those that might have been listening and, and recognizing, actually, I haven't had as much time for that, that than I'd like, then, you know, I know your work, Amy, will take them on that quest with um, enhancing self-awareness and and I'd be delighted to an answer any questions for anyone that that might have that support um, and um, and the other thing I would suggest is join um, a PSA evening um, I've learned so much from the speakers that magnanimously give in the monthly meetings and it's been one of the best investments I've had in my personal and professional career so yeah join a, a PSE monthly evening and um, and learn bagfuls of stuff in one evening um, or one afternoon or morning session that's what I would say thank you for listening to focus on why with me Amy Rowlandson to show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcast five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, Focus on Why.